Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. In the song Lion, uh, the writer used an interesting set of words in the in the verses, and I'm going to refer to those because our topic today is my daddy's scars. My daddy's scars. Now, first, let's be clear. Scars are reflective of trauma, something that can be seen and sometimes unseen. The biggest organ on your body is your skin. And when you get a scar trauma on your skin, you know it. It becomes quite visible to you. But there's some trauma, some issues, and as Pastor Randy indicated in his prayer, associated with being a child or a father that is unseen. I fortunately was blessed to have a father who was in my home and is still is alive and in my part of my life. But I know that that's not true for everyone. And yet it is important to understand what the Word of God says. It says, it's good that I was afflicted. Affliction tells a father's story. Many afflictions are unseen. They're beneath the surface of a man or a father. One commentator says it this way, is that whenever a sinner encounters affliction and it leads them to salvation... That's good. Woo. Affliction that leads to salvation is good. Another commentator says, anything that will lead a man to obeying God is a blessing. Doesn't matter. If it leads you to obeying God, it's a blessing. I understand in context, Psalms 119 Many people believe, myself included, that it was written by David, King David. Some believe it was written by Nehemiah or Ezra, even Jeremiah. For today's purpose, we're, gonna, we're going to assume the writer is David. And we know this about David's life. He was afflicted. He was afflicted. Just like me, does the affliction lead me as a father to God? There was a point in this story about myself that the song really did resonate where it was talking about flesh and bone. 
lion, flesh, and bone. Sometimes I, when I was younger, I used to make decisions according to my flesh. I know you've never done that. Let my flesh prompt me to do things. I, I described our family, and as we were growing up, our, our family, when it was growing, we didn't have a vehicle that would, could accommodate all of us. When there were six of us, we would put two kids in the back seat in one seat belt, and two kids in the other part of the back seat, because they were small in the other seat belt. We only had three seat belts. We'd skip the middle seat belt, and we'd have them share. And then Yvette and I would sit in the front, and we'd drive off. Well, she, being the educator that she was, said, we've got to get a bigger car. So we got one of those really cool Toyota vans. The Toyota van was a cream color with a gray pinstripe on the side. It could accommodate all of us. It was an old school Toyota van. The engine on the inside, you sat on the engine. It was underneath the seat. I was proud of that old Toyota van. It reflected who we were and it reflected who I was. I was taking care of my family. I was their father. One day, my kids were coming home from daycare with Yvette and everybody was rushing in the house and the kids came in first and said, Mommy said, leave the door open. Okay. She came running in. She's in heaven so I could say this. She went right to the bathroom. Ran right past me. Kids came in. We ate dinner. They got, went through their evening schoolwork. And then afterwards, we all went to bed. About 3 o'clock in the morning, because, you know, I'm an attentive father. Not, that's not the reason I got up. <laughs> I went outside, and I looked in the driveway because I wanted to see the van. And guess what? It was gone. Right, somebody said, no van. It was gone. And I looked in the garage, and it wasn't in the garage. So I woke up my wife, and I said, hey, where'd you park the van? She said, in the driveway. I said, it's not there. Yes, it is. I went back outside. No, it's not. So I came back in. I said, the van is gone. Unbeknownst to me, uh, at the time, I wasn't paying attention. There was a car. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Parked. It's dark in front of my house. I go back outside, and a person emerges from a car and says, Sir, I know where your van is. And I said, did you steal my van? <laughs> he said, Sir, I know where your van is. Now, I got to pause. I got to pause because I know I'll get emails. Don't do what I'm about to tell you I did. Okay, don't do that. Do not do this. Okay, because I did this. Don't do it. Thank you. He told me he knew where my van was. I got my shoes and my jacket on, and I got in the car with the person who stole my van. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. And I surmised in my head, flesh and bone, this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> but before I die, I'm going to find that van, drive it back to my house, get out the car and say, here's the van, then I'm going to die right there. <laughs> that was my decision. <laughs> well, we drove about seven minutes to Mack Road. Oh, now, I don't know why people can do that. Mack Road's okay. <laughs> Not at three o'clock in the morning but it's okay. So we drove back to Mac Road 
And as we were driving the Mack Road, I look up in front of us, and the van is there. The door is open, and we drive up to Mack Road. And it, as soon as we close up to the van, he slows the car down for me to get out the car. And he, before I could shut the door, he zooms off. And I get in my van. True story. I get in my van. The key is in the van. Engine's still kind of running. And I realize my wife's purse here. <gasps> she left her purse in the van. So I get in the car and I turn around and I drive back like a hero. <laughs> I'm alive. They didn't stab me or shoot me. I got my van. And it's a mess on the inside. They've destroyed the dash, taken out all the stereo components. Now, I'm going to pause. You are not going to do this. <laughs> You're going to call the police and get them to take care of your van. I get back to the house, and the police are there, the sheriff's there, and they're waiting for me, and my wife's waiting for me. And I got the van, and I pull in, and I got her purse in one hand, the keys in the other, and I walk out. You know that hero walk that we fathers do? I'm a hero. <laughs> I got the van. Hey, come on. I gave the keys and the purse to my wife, and she looks at me, and she looks at me, and she says exactly what needed to be said. You didn't have the insurance on the van, did you? <laughs> I blinked, it's like I'm blinking at you right now. I said, no. <laughs> I told this story once to Christina Jimenez, and she, before I could get to the punchline, she said, you didn't have insurance on your van, did you? <laughs> I don't know what it is about wives that they know that story. <laughs> the sheriffs as my wife turns her back and walks back in the house, look at me. And they said, sir, <laughs> they did say this, sir, you're on your own. And they left, <laughs> they left me right there. <laughs> flesh and blood, flesh and bone. My flesh prompted me to make that decision. I tell that story because I don't want my children to not know that their father made that decision. That was unwise. It was a mistake. But God took me through that. He spared me from the disaster that could have happened. You know, I, I, I think about one thing. This is an anecdote. I think about one thing. We talk all lot about David fighting bears and lions. You know what? David didn't fight those bears and lions by himself. The Lord was with him. When you go out, if you go out and fight a bear and a lion, don't expect to win unless the Lord is with you. <laughs> okay? Okay? That is not something you should do on your own. The Lord was with me. I look back at that event, I think, oh God, you spared me. Flesh and bone. I think about my daddy's scars and that song, Son of Man. You know, the songwriter's talking about me when the songwriter says, Son of Man. Son of Man is Adam, and we are descendants of Adam. Now, let's be clear there's no confusion about who we are. 
we are focused and understand that we are made in the image of God and that the children we have been gifted to have in our lives are also made in the image of God. But how we communicate communicate that today is under attack by our enemy who is Satan. He wants us to be gender confused. I am not confused about my gender. I know who I am. And I know who God created me to be. Now, let's be clear. I don't need a right politician or a left politician to tell me what my gender is. And I don't need anybody to help me tell my children who they are. Because my father taught me how to be their father. This is for somebody right over here. I am not a chameleon man. I do not adjust to the world. The Bible says, do not be conformed to the standard of this world, but be transformed. We have too many men who are being conformed. I'm not like that. Son of man, I'm not like that. I'm not. I'm not a chameleon. I am not. My daughter will tell you, no, he's no chameleon. (laughs) He ain't like that. So, when the songwriter is talking about son of man, there's facts, there's truth to that. A, a recent poll in Camino's nationwide study on faith. If you could look this up, Camino's nationwide study on faith. It says, relationships are being fractured. Marriages are collapsing because fathers are absent. The number one factor in a marriage, the number one factor in a healthy relationship is you fathers. Son of man, just like the songwriter said, it's you. And it's, and it's because we are being assaulted and told we're confused. We're not confused. We know who we are. I'm not perfect. You heard my mistake. But I've been saved by God's grace. It states that regular church attendees, people who come to church, had a characteristic. And that characteristic is that there's a father in their house. People who come to church regularly have a dad, a father, that's encouraging them. Your children, my children, do what I do. One day my daughter was looking at me at the kitchen table and she said, my father is sitting right here and I know what he expects me to say. It's a profound word. It's a profound word. She's seen me say it. And then, more importantly, fathers, she's seen me do it. And then, most importantly, fathers, and here's where we miss it sometimes. She's seen me do it with love. Fathers, 
if we want our children to know who to love, and shall I even say, who to marry, they have to see that in us. And if they don't see it in us, should we be surprised that they're confused? I said this in the first service. If you are in a unique circumstance and you don't have a father in your life right now or your children don't have a father in their life right now. Man, I, I'm, I, I didn't do this in the first service. Pastor Gary you, and Pastor Rand, you have to get, give me latitude. I want my brothers in the faith to stand up. The, my brothers, my honor-bound brothers, stand up. You're here. I see Fred. I see. Stand up. There they are. Look at them. Look at them. Give these guys a big round of applause. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. These are the guys who pray for me, who keep my ship straight, who are the rudder for my life, who tell the Holy Spirit to help me, and who will help you with your children if you ask them. Amen. And they're not going to espouse a doctrine that's different than the Lord's. They're going to tell you what God wants you to know and to do, and they're going to do it with love. I had a, a, a unique circumstance. I had two parishioners from Harvest. Uh, my, my son, Tyler, uh, he's not here at this service. He's actually out visiting my late wife's mother now, something I can't do, he can do. And that's a good thing because we've talked about that. He's visiting her. But years ago, I told him, man, I had a dream. Uh, you, you know, a, Joel, I think it's Joel uh, 2.28 that talks about young men will have visions, old men will have dreams. I don't like that because I have dreams. Okay, what does that mean? I'm an old man. <laughs> I don't like that so much. But I had a dream about him. And I had a dream that he was holding his hands up, praising the Lord at Harvest Church. And he was in Arizona. And I told him, I said, hey, I saw something. It is very important, fathers, that you say and you make prophetic declarations over your children. I said, I told you, I want to tell you something. I saw, I saw you raising your hands, praising the Lord at Harvest Church. And Tyler said, that ain't going to ever happen. <laughs> On Monday of last week, Tyler joined Harvest Church. <laughs> then, wait, 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 wait. A few weeks ago on one of our Friday night fires, he came up to the altar to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, wait, wait, wait. And then two weeks ago, a parishioner saw him praising the Lord on TV. On the Sunday night, he received, came up to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One of the parishioners here came up to me and said, hey, Tyler, he's up there. And you know what? I hope that for my son. That's encouraging me. The parishioner that was watching TV was unable to be here on, on church. She, we were talking that morning and said, she said, I saw your son praising God while I was watching Harvest Church online. And it ministered to me. Now why is that important? Son of man. 
Why is that important? Because a few days ago, I came home. Tyler stays with me. And Tyler's countenance was down. He was disappointed. And I could tell something was wrong. As I stood in the backyard, unbeknownst to Tyler, I was standing there because I had had a very difficult day. Tyler came out and he said, I'm feeling the urge to go backwards. Any of you ever felt the urge to go backwards? To give up hope? To let go of the faith? You've ever feel the world just want to pull you backwards? And what you left seemed more appealing to where you're going? I said, Tyler, I want you to hear something. And I called one of those parishioners. And I said, Tyler is here. And that person said, Tyler, I want you to know how much you blessed me on Sunday. Because I was watching online and I saw your hands up praising the Lord. I saw you honoring God. And it blessed me. When you're here at church, fathers, don't think it's coincidental. Don't think it's something that is removed. You praise the Lord. Honor your faith. Because somebody is always watching you. They were watching Tyler. And it encouraged them. Somebody, Dad, somebody is looking at you to be encouraged. My daddy's scars. You know that scripture, I'm going I'm to say it again. It was good that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. I'm supposed to learn from affliction? It's interesting that, uh, remember that day uh, I told you, I was standing in the backyard and Tyler came out. What I didn't tell you is that I had a tough day because uh, I had the unique privilege of being appointed by the third most highest ranking politician in California, the assembly speaker. And that morning I had a interview phone call with the assembly speaker and the speaker's office started the call like this. Uh, Brother Al, he didn't say that, he said Mr. Roulette, Brother Al, we appreciate your service to the state of California. Now, some of you have been around very long, but whenever somebody starts out a conversation like that, that means they're getting ready to fire you. <laughs> Brother Al was getting ready to be fired. Didn't they know what Pastor Randy said about me earlier? Oh, Brother Al, you don't fire me. You know what I did? I waxed defensive. I said, hey, hey, wait a second. I got really defensive. This is Brother Al. 100,000 miles worth of mission trips. A couple of weeks ago, I got defensive with the third highest ranking politician in California. And you know what it accomplished? Nothing. <laughs> the politician hung up the phone and said, we appreciate your service. I got off the phone. I was disappointed disgusted, saddened. I looked up to heaven. I said, Lord, why? And the Lord said, you asking me now? Why? You didn't ask me before. 
You weren't interested in what I was thinking before. You were interested in yourself. Lion of Judah. Lord Jesus, I wasn't thinking about you when I was talking to them. And the Lord said, you're right. You were thinking about yourself. I get back on the phone and call the assembly speaker's office. Third highest ranking politician in California. And I said, this is Al Roulette. And I want to apologize. I don't ever want to compromise the integrity of my faith with you. Do you know you can say that to teachers? You can say that to a professor. You can say that to your boss. I don't ever want to compromise the integrity of my faith. I don't ever want to compromise opportunities for people that look like me to be on commissions like this. So I apologize for my conduct. They said, thank you very much. You're still fired. <laughs> I looked up to the Lord and the Lord said, you know, this is what you learned. Sometimes, and I love the way the commentator says it, we must guard against the misunderstanding that seasons of affliction will automatically make you better. You can go through something, it may not just automatically make you better. And in fact, for some, affliction is not the worst thing that can happen. Because of the affliction, they choose to turn from God and deny the truth that the affliction could have made them better. I don't ever want to be that person. That's why I called them up and apologized because the integrity of my faith is more important to me than anything else. Don't allow affliction to turn you away from God. It was, uh, again, as Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says, that night when I went to bed, I was highly dysregulated. I was disturbed. I was frustrated, angry, and sad. Last point about my daddy's scars. The song says, let the lion roar. Oh, I remember that night after talking with Tyler and thinking about the day going to bed. And I had a dream. Now remember what the scripture says. It's right there on the uh, online. I'm going to read it again. It says, I will again that I might learn your statutes, your word. And the prophet Joel says in Joel 2.28, it says very clearly, 
And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men, meaning me, shall dream dreams. Your young men, meaning you, shall see visions. Now, I'm going to pause. This is a quick anecdote. I'm almost to the end. Musicians, you can come up if you want. The Holy Spirit is my best friend. He's your best friend. And if you commune with the Holy Spirit, even when you go through difficult, dark times, He will help you. Even when you're asleep, He'll visit you and He'll say, I got something for you. He will do that for you. And you can believe in His Word. And if you haven't had that experience, ask Him, say, hey, Holy Spirit, God, that what Brother Al was telling, if that's true, let it happen for me. God will do that for you. God's not intimidated by our request. I went to sleep that night and I had the most amazing dream because I was running. I like to run. I like to get on the treadmill and run. I was running. I was running from all the frustration of the day, maybe all the frustration in life. I was just running. I was running through this mountainous area, just running. And I remember running and as I ran, I jumped onto a park bench. And I remember slipping down on that park bench and landing and landing and thinking, oh, I'm sitting down on the park bench. But the park bench gave away. And as it gave away, the brackets that were holding it to the granite also gave away. And the granite started to give away. And I looked to my right, and next thing I knew, I was falling, sitting on a bench, into a gorge, into a ravine. This is true. It's true. It happened to me. It was a dream. It was true. And I remember thinking, Lord, I'm going to die? Sometimes affliction will cause you to feel like you're going to die. Sometimes affliction will cause you to feel like you're separated from God. Sometimes affliction will cause you to think that God doesn't hear you. And I remember sitting on that bench and thinking just what the songwriter said, let the lion roar. And I said in my dream, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Fathers, our children need to know how to call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. And they won't know how to do it unless they see you do it first. You have to say, Jesus, save me. That's what our children need to see. They need to see that in you. You're the role model they need. Jesus, save me. And as I'm falling in the bench, and when I said, Jesus, save me, that park bench, it shook. I tell you the truth, it shook. Jesus, save me. It shook again. Jesus, save me. And the bench stopped from falling into a ravine. I'm like a kid now in a dream. I said, oh, this word of God, this works. Jesus, save me. And that bench, instead of falling, started to go to the other side. 
And I looked to my right, and there was a rider on a horse looking at me and smiling and saying, everything's going to be all right. And I looked to the left, and the clouds were so clear, and I kept saying, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And in the clouds, a window opens up, and the face in the clouds, I couldn't make it out. I said, but I know who that is. That's my Lord looking after me. And that bench, that park bench got to the other side and it sat down. And I got off the bench and I said, Jesus, you saved me. And he wants me to tell you that if you call on his name, even when you're afflicted, even when there's pain, if you surrender your will to his, Jesus will save you. And if you want our kids, your kids to know, they need to see you do it. They need to see you in love say, Jesus, save me. To every person that's here, to every person that's here, if you don't know that Jesus can save you, to every person that's here, if you experience the pain of affliction, to every person that's here, if you don't know what to do, I want you to know that Jesus is here. He wants to save you. He wants to help you. He wants to touch you. Fathers, he needs you. Jesus saved me. I know he will save you. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God, who you are, we love you more than we love ourselves. Lord, you are great. You are worthy of all praise. Jesus, you saved me. Holy Spirit, you speak to me. God, you love me. I want every person at the sound of my voice to know God loves you. Jesus died for you. And he will save you if you need him to. Lord, hear their cry. Hear the desires of their heart. Help them, Lord. Touch them. Heal their afflictions by the power of your word. Let the power of your word be manifested in their hearts, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.